Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit HancockWhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From our socially distanced virtual lunch table in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with Christian Mader, publisher and editor of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. You know, a good idea never really goes out of style. And in the food industry, that's because the basics have remained pretty much the same since restaurants and commercial cooking were invented. Make something tasty and deliver it to your diners with good service. It's a universal recipe for success, but that doesn't mean it's easy. It's sort of like baking. All the ingredients can be there, the eggs, the flour, the cream. You do it right, you get a delicious custard. You do it wrong, you get a plate of pretty you know, soupy scrambled eggs. My guests today have both been cooking it right in different ends of the industry. Brad Sonia, a baker, uh, is the chef and owner of the Rolling Pin Bakery. He's a longtime pastry chef with a passion for French baking, and he's brought that home, literally, to a commercial kitchen next to his house in Doucan, just outside of Lafayette. The Rolling Pin delivers bite-sized morsels of French classics like mousse and macarons to catered events and to farmers' markets. Brad, thank you for joining me on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thank you all for having me. My next guest is the largest franchisee of Sonic Drive-Ins in Louisiana. Uh, Ted Kurgan of Kurgan Brothers Sonic is a native of Detroit, home of the American auto giants, and he's got a pretty giant operation himself. Kurgan Brothers Sonic employs 2,000 people in 60 Sonics all around the state, including drive-ins in Baton Rouge, Lafayette, Lake Charles, New Orleans, and in other cities and towns. Ted, welcome to Out to Lunch. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm a big fan of the show. Uh, so, Brad, uh, you know, your specialty is French pastry. You've got a knack, though, for streamlining the process, which I think is pretty interesting. Uh, you, can, you can get custom orders to customers in 24 hours, you know, while other bakers might take several days. And, you know, there's a saying in basically every business sector I'm aware of, right? You can have it fast, you can have it cheap, or you can have it good, but you can't have it all three, right? You pick two. Uh, I mean, what's your secret? I mean, I think that the, the French baking to me is something that we mostly think of as being a person precise art? I mean, how do you do something well, fast, and cheap when you're talking about, uh, you know, macarons? Time management, man. It's all about time management. So with, with us, like you were saying earlier, we have the bakery right next to the house. Uh, it affords me to be able to go in and out of production whenever I need. So we can get custom orders at nine o'clock at night. And if I have to, I'll go in the shop and start working. And just to be able to have that ability to get to the customer the next day. Uh, it's all about customer service. You have to get to the customer whenever they want it. Uh, that's what we found to work best. Uh, we know a lot of local bakeries, they don't have that ability. So we do get a lot of customers from that. So a lot of our customer base knows that we have the ability to turn around and order in 24 hours. What kind of order do you get for French pastries at nine o'clock at night that you got to turn around in 24 hours? What's an emergency bakery situation? The most popular thing right now is going to be the layered cream tarts. Uh, it's a layered uh, type of cake. It's got three layers of almond sweet dough with three layers of Bavarian cream. They come in letters, numbers, shapes. Uh, different sizes. Um, that's about the most popular cake for about two years now. Um, so a lot of people think about it last minute and a lot of the bakeries in Lafayette won't do it last minute. So they start Google searching and they find us and they call me and be like, yeah, I'll do it. So I'll go in the shop, start cutting the layers. I'll start the process and we'll finish it up the next day. It's all about customer service. 
Wow. So, so, so Ted, I, I want to start you on a COVID question. Um, Sonics are drive-ins, right? That's kind of what they're notable for. And I, you know, at face value, that seems like a pretty good format for social distancing. Um, so I'm thinking maybe you didn't have to change all that much in terms of what Sonic really has to do to, to, to deliver the Sonic experience, like maybe some other fast food restaurants. Um, I mean, is that really true or, or, or did you really have to make a pivot um, that changed the way Sonics work? Oh no, I think you, uh, you just hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, on, on one end, I think we got, we were fortunate that our delivery system um, with the stalls and double drive-throughs um, uh, uh, played perfectly into the, you know, the COVID situation. Because, I mean, basically what happened was people, all of a sudden, they couldn't go to restaurants, so they had to quarantine. And the place you quarantine is in your own car with your friends. And so that takes you to the Sonic drive-in. So on, on one end, I think we were very fortunate um, that our delivery system uh, lends itself to the pandemic. Uh, on the other side of that is we spent 40 or 50 years perfecting this delivery system. So, you know, it's not like we just really got lucky. I mean, it, we we have been working on this for years and years and years. Uh, and and frankly, the drive-in system is a delivery, you know, concept that most companies uh, abandoned back in the, you know, 40s and 50s. Uh, and Sonic was you know, fortunate enough and smart enough to to take one thing and do one thing really well and and find a way to to really execute that. So, I mean, maybe we ask this kind of a different way too. I mean, it it's, it makes sense to me, kind of at face value, like I said, that that this would be you guys would be well positioned in that way. But but what advantage in sort of the pandemic, right? Does that really pose over a drive through? I mean, if that's really the other way that people get you know uh, quick convenient food, I mean. Why is this you know, sort of a better way of, 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 of giving customers food that way, if that makes any sense? Well, there's really two ways of answering that. So one is the fact that we have the drive-in stalls. So we don't have just, uh, just a drive-through or a double drive-through. In each one of our locations, we have a, a you know, double drive-through and we have 30 other stalls. So you can pull in and you can be the first one in line every time. The second thing that people kind of forgot what was happening before the pandemic was uh, we had about a year ago, we were the national test market for Sonic's order ahead system on the app uh, where you can order ahead, uh, tell us what time you're going to be there and we have your order ready when you get there. And that in the pandemic and in the current environment, people now are forgetting about that. But but that kind of layered on with both the drive-through and the uh, and the drive-in systems that we've got, really to give us a, a tremendous advantage over our competitors. You know, and plus Sonics is different. We don't, you know, we don't cook food ahead of time. We wait until you order it, so it's really fresh. And we have a uh, because of that, it takes about twice as many people to run a Sonic drive-in as it does one of our competitors. Uh, but we think that uh, you know. Even though we have that expense, uh, we we get the bang for the buck because you get a really fresh, hot product every time. And look, we're not perfect. I get that. I mean, we when we do make a mistake, we try to make it right. Um, but uh, um, but it, but whether you're talking about the pandemic or whether you're talking about our delivery system, the important thing for us is we feel like we have to earn your 
every time you come to one of our restaurants and we get up in the morning, we think about that and we work really hard on doing that. Hmm. So, I mean, something that, that Ted touched on there, uh, Brad, is sort of this idea that like maybe, you know, the pandemic changed you know, consumer habits. I mean, how people, you know, or what people expect, what people need. I mean, when I think about baked goods, I'm thinking people, this is the kind of thing that a lot of people might uh, turn to as a, as a source of comfort, maybe. Uh, you know, so I'm thinking about like, you know, sheet caking is what they call it. You know, just like I'm going to order an entire sheet cake and sit and eat it by myself. I mean, have you found that that people have really, I mean, has it really changed the, the sort of customer that you're getting and what they're no, ordering? See, see, kind of same thing with Ted said, when we started this business, I started with the concept of we're not going to have a brick and mortar storefront. So it's always us coming to the customer. So we run deliveries Monday through Friday. We have started that since day one. So a lot of our customer base is used to us coming to them. So when COVID hit and everything, it really benefited us. So usually the June, July and August months of the year, we're dead because everybody's vacationing, kids are out of school. So what happened was is our business skyrocketed because nobody wanted to get out. Nobody was going into the local bakeries. They were calling us and saying, hey, I need this, this, and this. Can you deliver it? And sure, we, we've always ran deliveries. So our business has skyrocketed since COVID hit. Um, usually, we're just getting busy right now, but we've been staying busy year-round this year. So it, it's actually a lot different for us. Um, a lot more fortunate than other local bakers in town that I know of. Um, they had really down months when they weren't. Uh, so uh, we were very fortunate this year. I mean, has it, cha- has it really changed... I don't know who is ordering, I guess. What I'm wondering is like, you know, I could see a situation where if this is your specialty and everybody kind of gets hip to it and they start ordering from the rolling pin and then all of a sudden they're telling their friends, like maybe you had an opportunity here to hit a new market even and like think about the new new products. Yeah, I I think we did. Uh, I think we did. And we've grown strictly from word of mouth um, because also while we go to the farmer's market every weekend as as a way to get out to new customer base, um, so we didn't have that ability to reach the new customers. So I definitely do agree that we did spread a lot through word of mouth. And um, we've also made a huge investment in our website presence. Uh, we had professionally done last year. So that was a big bonus for us having that professional out front on the, the website base where people can go out there, place their orders, completely contact free. You know, it's real easy. A lot of people these days don't want to have any interaction. They just rather go online, click, click, click and be done. Um, so we did see an uptick in all that also. So that, that, I guess you can say did help bring us to a new market also. Ted, I'm curious if, if we're seeing a different type of fast food customer in all of this, I mean, people that are maybe more likely to do it. I mean, obviously the volume could be one thing, but I guess my question is, is, is more geared on like, is a different type of person thinking to themselves, I'd really like to go to Sonic than they were say in 2019. Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Uh, and I think the answer to that is what we've seen is uh, a lot larger groups. So what we've seen is not only, you know, uh, increased usage uh, at our restaurants, but all of a sudden the, the ticket sizes are really astronomical. So it seems that people are either coming to us with a big group in the car or the mom who now has to figure out how to, uh, you know, teach her kids at home and, and do the whole homeschooling thing. All of a sudden, she's got a whole nother meal that she's got to worry about uh, providing. Uh, and it seems like they're coming to us for that. Hmm. I mean, and, and you guys, you know, obviously you have drive-ins across the state. I mean, are you noticing different 
patterns of customer type orders like versus, you know, say Lafayette or in Baton Rouge or New Orleans, which, you know, kind of all went through 2020 in very different ways themselves. I mean, it is, you know, are people in Lafayette buying more cherry limeades and folks in New Orleans buying, uh, you know, tater tots? I mean, what's happening? <laughs> more cheese sticks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, no, uh, actually it's spread out. Uh, we see the same thing in every market. And I think the one thing that's, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but the pandemic has kind of brought people together in that they've had common problems. And, you know, and as human beings, that's what we're supposed to do is find a way to solve our common problems and to help each other. Uh, And I think because of that, you see the same thing happening, no matter if it's, you know, a big town like New Orleans or if it's Kaplan, Louisiana. Uh, we don't have a Sonic and Doosan, but uh, uh, no, no, we don't. But uh, um, get great baked goods, so that's that's okay. So, um, uh, but we've seen basically the same in the size of the the tickets, uh, the uh, the increases in the number of customers that are coming to us. We've seen that all the way across the board. And I got to tell you something, and, and I just came back from a meeting in Oklahoma City where Sonic's based out of, and uh, that is also something that's happening all across the country. I, I would say not almost every single market all the way across the country in all 50 states are seeing almost exactly the same results. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. I'm talking with Ted Kurgan of Kurgan Brothers Sonic and Brad Sonye of the Rolling Pin Bakery. So, so Brad, you know, we got we got very two different sized operations here. So you and is it your is, is it your wife and Dusa that's that's cranking out you know um, cranking out the pastry? I mean, you mentioned earlier that you guys don't have a brick and mortar that that was intentional. Like, look, you know, I imagine that lowers costs and all that. I can see the advantage, but you know, as things are growing and you're maybe reaching a new audience this time and beyond. I mean, is it brick and mortar? storefront with a bakery case i mean is that something that you want to do you have no interest in that at all it's not that i have no interest i can't i can't cut it out of the the future 100 but i i really don't have any interest in it um i just think the overheads are way too high nowadays location is the biggest thing and the better locations you spend more money um so i think with the success we've had so far with just the small production facility we have here i think it could still grow tremendously from just what we have i'm still a one-man operation uh, my wife works full time for a business in Lafayette. I do this full time. I have no employees. I run deliveries. I shop. I produce. I do everything. So I think there's still a lot of room to grow before we even take that possible consideration to a storefront. Um, where we're positioned in Doucet, we're in a great location between Acadia Parish and Lafayette Parish. Acadia Parish has no real bakeries. So we have a huge customer base in Jennings, Crowley, Church Point, Rain. We're in a good spot because a lot of them have to go all the way to Lafayette to get the real quality stuff. They don't have to anymore. They can stop right here and do something. And with us having just the production kitchen, it's easy. They just pull up. We allow drive up pickups every day of the week, seven days a week. So we do get a lot of customer base from that area. So I really don't think Doucet is a great place for a storefront just because it's not the Lafayette or Scott area to to produce the, the foot traffic. Um, but I think with the pre-order traffic and the way we've done it so far, I think we still have a lot of room to grow.
So, Ted and Brad, I want to switch things up just a little bit. Um, So this is a segment I I usually call the job I almost had. And so the idea, right, is we've all kind of had a point in our lives when we zigged, when we could have zagged and landed in whatever gig that we have today. So, So I'd like to ask each of you about yours, right? Like what was that crossroads moment in your life where, you know, had you gone left instead of right, you would have ended up somewhere else. And where would that somewhere else be? Um, Ted, I'd love to start with you. I mean, you, you know, it seems like you've had coming from Detroit to to Louisiana. I mean, that's a big jump. Yeah, well, um, uh, you know, so anyway, so when I was a kid in uh, Metro Detroit, I was actually from Berkeley, which is just a little bit north of Detroit. Um, and I was very shy and young, and, and I went into this Arby's, uh, and it was my first job interview. And the guy that interviewed me uh able to say that, listen, we're we want to give you one of the two weekend nights off. Like we don't want you working Saturday or Sunday night because, or Friday and Saturday night, because we want you to have a social life. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, this guy, he made me feel so good. Cause I didn't have a social life at the time. You know, I was just a, I was just a shy, goofy, you know, nerdy kid. And um, so I don't know if I'm answering your question, but there was something about, uh, as my career advanced, you know, went through different phases and I did lots of different things like Brad did, like all of us have. Um, but, uh, there was something about when I got a chance to get into Sonic that that clicked and maybe I could make somebody else feel like they were important, uh, and recognize the importance in them that, that they didn't see. And maybe we could use that as kind of a catalyst to move forward. And, like today, our managers are not managers, they're actually partners in the business. So, um, and of those 60 stores, uh, I think 78% of those people started as line cooks and, you know, now run a, you know, a big business and they, you know, make a lot of money. So, you know, so, uh, so I, I know I'm not answering your question, but that's the thing that always kind of sticks with. Well, it sounds like, you know, you've provided a lot of other people an opportunity to zig instead of zag, right? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, somebody, yeah. I think a lot of folks that come into the fast food industry aren't necessarily thinking, hey, I'm going to make a career of this, right? I mean, if a person gets a job as a line cook. And so that's that's really interesting, right? That like Sonic could be that inflection point. So in 10 years, you know, God forbid, I'm still hosting this show. And, you know, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we'll pull back and, to this segment and then we'll. Yeah, 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 we'll, yeah we'll, you know, and uh, maybe I'll be interviewing. This st- is your key moment. And yeah, forward. this is the moment I was like, I'm going to go get a gig right. at a line as a right. line cook at a Sonic, and I'll. But no, but I mean, like you know, somebody really could end up in a position that you know they they have equity in the business, they have a stake. I mean, that's really really fascinating. Um, you know, Brad, I mean, I guess I, I you know, it seems to me just kind of looking over, uh, you know, your background it seems like you know, working in kitchens was what you wanted to do, but I don't want to take that for 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 for. Growing growing up, my dad owned an electrical business doing mobile home electrical for 35 years since 1985. So I would work with him every summer. I had the possibility to take the business over, but I always wanted to do something different that wasn't oil field, that wasn't medical, that wasn't electrical. I guess I guess you could say I worked my butt off and he kind of burnt me out as a kid, but taught me lessons, taught me how to work. Um, I'll tell you one little quick story. When I was younger, my dad would ask me at the end of the school year, he said, hey, you want to work with me this summer? I say, yeah. He goes, all right, Monday through Friday. That's it. You're not taking any days off. You're going to tell me you're going to work. You're going to work Monday through Friday. So he instilled that work ethic when I was really young. 
So as I got older, I wanted to do something different. So I went to culinary school, started working in the restaurants. I started out washing dishes at Zia's in Lafayette. You know, I didn't get a, I didn't get a line job. I started out washing dishes for six months and then I got on the line and everything. Realized I didn't care for the restaurant industry. I was, a, I'm a morning person. I'm a 4.35 o'clock in the morning type of person. So then I went off to pastry school in Maryland and I just fell in love with it. So I guess you can say if I wouldn't have went to pastry school or culinary school, I would be an electrician today. Um, but I don't regret my, my decision one bit because it's something that not many people around here do. And, and that's what I love about it. Something that's kind of interesting about this conversation, right? Like, even though we're talking sort of with, you know, the larger fast food operation and a a smaller operation, right? You you know, a lot of ways we're talking about innovation and delivery and, and, you know, the fast food industry, of course, revolutionized how we make food and time management, as you, you mentioned earlier, Brad. I mean, have you thought about in some way like trying to become like the Ray Kroc of baking? I mean, like thinking to yourself, like what what I got to do here is I've really landed on a, a pretty interesting way of 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 delivering high quality baked goods. I mean, like that in its own way could be a you know a product. I mean, is, is that something that you've thought about doing? No, honestly, no. I'm a very small minded thinker. <laughs> it takes me a while. So when it when it comes to new products and everything, it takes me weeks or months just to come up with it. Uh, I'm a very small thinker, slow thinker when it comes to that, but uh, I think in the long run, no, I really like staying small scale, um, small minded, I guess you could say community minded where I, I went to school in Maryland is I went to school right outside Washington, DC. So everything is fast paced, big job. My first job was at the Ritz Carlton. Um, I mean, we did some massive events. So everything was large scale, but coming from Doosan, you know, I'm very, I, I like community. I like small. So that's kind of the way I, I think nothing's out of the realm of possibilities ever. You know, I don't, I don't shut anything down, but I, I guess I never thought about that avenue. Uh, a lot of people ask me, hey, when are you going on these baking shows? I'm like, nah, that's not me. Uh, I, I'm not that type of person. <laughs> I, I, yeah, let me jump in here, too. I, I think that Brad and I are kind of in this. We're in the same business because really we have one customer. That's the next customer that we're taking care of. And you have to focus on taking care of that one person whether that, whether that's so, and that's the important thing. If you get that right, then everything kind of works out, but that's really got to be your focus. And, and, um, and I know we're talking about maybe bigger things, but you know, you can never be bigger than that. You know, if you, you get that one person, right, then that person's going to talk, talk you up to the next, to the next customer and the next customer. And if you don't, they're going to get on Yelp and, you know, that's, and that's the food business. Yeah. That's and, my biggest one. And the one thing Anthony Bourdain said that really stuck with me was how, how he hated Yelp because, you know, you get people that take all of their money and they get up at four 30 in the morning, right. To, and, you know, and they work their butt off and then they, if they make a mistake or if somebody thinks they make a mistake, somebody who has no idea what they're talking, you know, goes and puts it on Yelp and just kind of destroys somebody's career. So, um, so I think that we're in the same business and that we have the next customer and that's what we worry about. And we don't go much beyond that um, as the day goes on. I mean, every customer means the same to me, no matter if you're spending, I'll tell, I'll tell people, I'll sell you one bite-sized pastry for $1.25 or I'll sell you a hundred. I'm going to treat you the same. And, and people do get that interaction when they come and meet with me and things. They're like, well, we don't want to spend much money. I'm like, that's fine. I don't ever push people to buy more than they really want to. I tell people, look, I'll work with budgets, numbers, 
however you want to do it, I'll work with you. If you only want to buy 10 things, I'm happy with that. A dollar is a dollar to me. And that's the way I look at it. That's the way I've always looked at it. Um, I think nowadays in business, people get wrapped up of they only want the high-end customers. They only want the top dollar sales. You can't look at that like that anymore. I mean, I don't believe in that. You know, that's why I know some bakeries in town. I'm not going to name them, but they won't mess with you if you're not ordering $100, $200 worth of stuff. Whereas I sit here, I'll take any kind of customer. That's interesting. I mean, you know, one thing you bring up, right? You know, Ted, if, if you if you see the commonality here being, you know, the, the focus, that, that, you know, intense focus on the next customer. I mean, it strikes me that, you know, 60 Sonics, 2,000 employees, you know, and then there's an ownership structure that's, you know, dispersed, right? I mean, how do you, how do you maintain that in an, in an architecture like that? It's all training. I mean, what you, what you try to do is find one perfect way of doing something. And then the key is being able to replicate that over and over and over. And then, then we go to extraordinary lengths to do that. I mean, we just got out of a national competition to uh, determine who the best Sonic crew in the entire country was. Um, and, uh, uh, and Patterson, Louisiana is one of our stores. So we were in the top 12 and we took the go the bronze medal for that. But we've won, we've won gold in the past and we've, you know, but, um, and, and it gets the crew engaged. It gets them really excited. We take them to the convention. It was supposed to be in San Diego this year. So that would have been really nice. I, I'm, you know, I might take them to San Diego anyway, because, you know, we do a yearly convention with our folks anyway. We usually do a cruise, but, um, uh, but you, that whole thing is really just a training program disguised as a competition. And so you try to find different ways of being creative about, you know, training people so they don't know you're always training them. They kind of think they're, you know, they're, uh, you know, we have this deal. We did this deal for uh, a couple of years where if a store got a hundred on a mystery shop, we would give the manager a big screen TV. And it got to be really ridiculous because we'd go into Best Buy and we had so many guys winning big screen TVs. Well, you can only use like one or two in your house. And then the manager would be giving it to the assistant manager and they would be giving it to the guy that was doing the parking <laughs> lot. And, and we would go into Best Buy and they're like, oh, God, we're going to clear us out yeah. of TVs again. But, you know, you try to keep it fun and you try to keep it interesting. Yeah. So look, it, it sounds like you guys, you know, you really landed on a way to, to keep people going. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, right, what we're talking about here is sort of a fixation, an obsession with making sure the customer is always right, right? The, 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 the tried and true way of thinking about business. And that's, of course, true in the restaurant industry and anywhere else. I mean, and, and you know, whether we're talking about a sort of a small operation or a big operation, you know, or we're innovating on delivery processes, you know, at the end of the day, you know, the customer's going to got to get that thing and connect with you and your brand and say, you know, this is something that, you know, means something to me and that tastes good and feels right, the right price. And, you know, Ted and Brad, you guys are both seem to kind of hit on that from the different you know, spectrum of the industry, to use your words, Ted, you're both in the same industry. You're both after the same thing. And so, Ted and Brad, it was great having you both on the show. Thanks for coming on Out to Lunch, Acadia. Thank you.
My guests on Out to Lunch Acadiana today have been Ted Kurgan of Kurgan Brothers Sonic and Brad Sonye of the Rolling Pin Bakery. We edited this show to fit into the time slot here on KRVS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Ted and Brad and their companies by listening to Out to Lunch, uh, the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast, which you can find anywhere you get podcasts and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Jill LaFleur, and you can find more of her work at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producer is Molly Richard. Our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Christian Mater. I'm the editor of The Current, Lafayette's nonprofit source for local news. You know, to find out what matters in Lafayette, check out thecurrentla.com and sign up for our newsletters. Till then, I'll see you here again next time around our virtual lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch Acadiana. Bye-bye. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com, and by Hancock Whitney. Hancock Whitney is here for families, here for businesses, here for communities during this challenging time. Visit hancockwhitney.com slash COVID-19 for the latest. And by... Shorten Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. And by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. The It's New Orleans Happy Hour podcast. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. 